and welcome to Theatre Club. I'm Alice and I'm laid horizontally on my bed with Oscar. We can spread out, it's just the two of us this week. I mean, I am snug as a bug in a rug on this velour blankie. I said to mum, I was like, I want a blanket for my birthday and I want it extra, extra large. I don't want one of these normal blankets. I want like four people to be getting under this. Which four people? Yeah, I don't have four friends that will hang out together actually. <laughs> but you know when you're on a sofa and you really want to sort of have it Huge all around blanket. you? Yeah, but then obviously what's happened is I spend more time in my bedroom so the blanket now just lives in here. So I now need another blanket for the living room. <laughs> After that riveting blanket chat, let's let's talk theatre. Oh, right. Do you want my top tip? Let's just go straight in with your top tip. Okay, I've kind of stolen it from you because you yeah, messaged my top tip. Sorry, but... you messaged me earlier this week and said falsettos has gone on sale. We've got to book it. So I immediately looked up what falsettos was, and it's a show that's coming to the other palace, which is a theatre um, behind Victoria. Used Station. to be called the St James's Theatre. That's right. And it's got, when I looked it up, I was like, wow, this has got like a huge following in America. It originally opened in Broadway in 1992. Yep. And then had a revival in like 2016, I Mm -hmm. think. And it won two Tony Awards. It had fantastic casting. So it had... What, the revival? Yes. Yeah, the revival was Andrew Reynolds, who was in the original um, cast of Book of Mormon. And he's in the TV show Girls. And then uh, Christian Borrell, who was in um, the TV show Smash, and he's also been in like loads of different Broadway things. He was in um, Something Rotten was last year, I think, on Broadway. So he's a big Broadway star, and I think the two of them kind of... I see a lot of stuff on Instagram about the two of them and their performance in falsettos, and just it's got a very big, big sort of cult following. What Let's do we know about it? it? Like, what's the rough outline of the... What's the storyline? It sounds so like it's kind of It was based, I think, on like three one-act little musicals and they've put two of them together to make this story um and i think it's about i kind of don't want to know too much but i think it's it's about a dysfunctional family and part of the dysfunction is that the father is secretly gay and he leaves the mum for another man that's it yes Um, but then she then starts having an affair with someone else so it's kind of like the it sounds like a sort of you know the ups and downs of a of a family, a bit kind of like Fun Home. It's reminding me of, but maybe less dark because Fun Home had the sort of a much darker undertone. I think this is a lighter kind of look. It's at drama. That. It's high drama. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. It sounds fun. really fun, and just people love it. And I mean, it won the Tony for best um, best book and best score, I think, which is obviously two of the good awards to win. What are the would you say are the two lesser awards to win at the Tonys, where you're like. Mm. What do you mean? Like, we, like if you were going to oh, get... Oh, well, if someone's... Oh, yeah, like, oh, it won this many Tony Awards, and you look, and it's just for... Well, I mean, I guess something could have, like, beautiful set design. Oh, so don't doesn't... sense it. Stop being PC. Just tell me. What like, do you mean? What are the bad Tonys to get? There are no bad Tonys, Yes, but, but you're saying it won only... the better ones. What no, but are some of them ones? are more production-specific, I guess, because the 92 version might have had great sets. That doesn't mean when it comes back that now it's going to be... That doesn't speak to oh, I see. the show, whereas the book and the score are going to remain the book and the score, yes. if you know what I mean. Whereas the performances even might win awards, but then when it comes back with a different cast... That's so true. So I think this one will be... It's certainly worth going a layer deeper to look at things like that, isn't mm. it? And the book's by James Lapine, who wrote um, like Into the Woods and worked with Sondheim a lot. So I think, um, yeah, it's a very good sort of calibre of mm. people. So I'm really looking forward to it. 
Um, it's it, you know it could end up being like another Heather's kind of a sellout because it's not a huge theatre and they tend to get quite a young crowd and quite an avid sort of look at you know Heather's got a really big fan base going didn't it with a much younger theatre audience who kind of were going to repeat showings of it so I think I think just book it before it all sells out because it very well could do. So the top price seating is forty five pounds. We've booked front row seats which are 25, and there are also seats at the back of the stalls, did you say, for 25 as well? Yeah, and then the second two rows, I think, are only 29.50. So, so really good, re- really reasonable yeah. pricing for a show that's got, you know, a lot of buzz around it that's coming over. So it opens on the 30th of August, and it runs until the 23rd of November, so that's quite a long run, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, Who would you like to see in this? Oh, I don't. Well, because I don't know it well enough. I don't really uh, yes, know what the right. characters yeah, are, right. so yeah, I couldn't really right. say that person would be perfect. Yeah, I think it would be true. cool if they like obviously try and cast like the 2016 production openly gay actors to play those roles. Mm. So maybe um, Jonathan Bailey, who won the mm. Olivier. Now there's a good shout for Company. He played Jamie in Company, who sang the "Not Getting Married Today" song, and mm. so someone like that. I don't. Yeah. That's the only thing that I think would be cool if they could do. Um, and I think that's why um, Andrew Rannells and Christian Borrell, I think that's why people kind of were so into that yes. casting and followed that so so much. So, yeah. I'm really glad we booked that. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think that's a good top tip. Yeah, I think yeah, I think just book it. Why not? I think this is just going to be one that ju- will just be worth seeing, like Fun Home. Mm. We said that about Fun Home, and I think we approved right on that. That was one that was just worth seeing and it was amazing and I thought this will transfer to West End and it didn't so more for you if you didn't see Fun Home God it was fantastic I wish we'd seen that twice really yeah this could end up being that show that's like great in a small venue and just doesn't have Mm, there aren't enough small venues that it could go into and some shows just won't translate to a huge venue and that's why they don't do them talking of small venues small shows and the perfect setting for them let's do our review which is our first review which is Amore at the Charing Cross Theatre. Have we... Oh, yeah, the last thing we reviewed from there would have been Mythic last year, mm-hmm. um, which was the kind of pop rock musical. Um, so, yeah, they do a lot of musicals there. Um, and before we started this podcast, we saw quite a few things, like Titanic we really liked there, didn't we? Yes. Um, and Ragtime was yes. really good. So, yeah, we've seen some great things there. It's a lovely little space kind of under Charing Cross Station, basically. I quite like sometimes when you're under there, you can hear the tube racketing over your head. Yeah, it's really nice. It's a perfect little venue. And so this musical is called Amour, and it's based on a um, French book called Le Passe Morali. I'm going to murder all these pronunciations. (laughs) Um, It's music by Michael Legrand, who is most famous for doing film scores. Um, I think he did Barb Streisand's Yentl and um, what was the Town to Mr. Ripley? Oh. Like a spiral in a spiral, like a wheel in a wheel. <laughs> um, An English adaptation by Jeremy Sands. And the story is it's kind of um, a sort of magical realism style. So we've got um, a man living in Paris who works as a clerk. He lives at home with his cat and he calls his mum every day and he's quite shy and mild-mannered and very diligent at his work and the rest of his um, colleagues are not and kind of tease him for being all stuck up. Um, And yeah, he's very shy and he goes home one night and there's a power cut and he loses his keys. And as he's fumbling around in the hallway to find his keys, he suddenly finds himself in his apartment and then back in the hallway. And so the kind of the magical twist is that he basically discovers his ability to walk through walls um, and then from there, his life, kind of, this ability to walk through walls sort of knocks down the barriers in his life. 
and things start to open up for him. And there's a love interest. There's a love interest who he sees, you know, she's behind windows, she's married to someone else, she's married to a much older man, she's not in a happy marriage. And so this could be his chance to walk through that wall and get to her kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was a bit of a crazy um, story. Yeah. And actually, because I didn't know anything about it going in, it's, you know, it's not, it's not like something that's a musical that's talked about or that I've got any sort of background on so I just you know we went to the press night and I didn't know anything about it and sometimes that's just such a joy because when he could suddenly start walking through walls I was like oh this is going to be fun you know because it's not it's not you know sometimes you just want a fun musical don't you you yeah. don't you know it's Wednesday night and I just thought oh this is going to be a good this is going to be really good fun it's worth saying that they They've used some really clever... I really liked the staging and the choreography in it. They've done that thing where they've done clever little tricks. Like, so, for example, when he does walk through the wall, they had all of the actors stand in a row with torches to mm. sign... Sim- they made, like, a wall of light. Yeah. And then as he went through it, they sort of quivered it. And, yeah, so just really clever, like, techniques. And it's sort of an... Un- it's all sung through... Um, so it's sort of song up, but not in a sort of lame as kind of talky singy way. It's like so- just song after song after song takes you from one scene to the other. And the ensemble cast kind of, you know, they're, they're the cast, they're the stagehands, they bring all the prop. You know, it's one of those shows where the cast is very actively involved in the theatre of the piece. There's not like blackout at the end of scene and then you know, set moves around, you see everything happening. They bring on all the props. Everybody's on stage, like, majority of the time. Even yeah. when it's the, even when they're not the centre of attention, they're probably holding an umbrella with a light above it in the background yes. or something. You know, they, and they really, really like make that. Use it's of lovely that. to watch a cast all working together to create the magic of the show and see that magic being made. And they use sort of, there's a lot of briefcases and bags used as different That was clever when they and... had the scene where they have the, the, um, the love interest, what's she called? That... That character was called Isabella. Isabella is having dinner with her husband and they're sitting at a very long table and they'd made the table using chairs and suitcases to make a long tabletop and then somebody just placed a candelabra on top of it. That was really clever, wasn't it? Really, really clever. And um, so let's talk about the music because it's lots of kind of song after song after song placed through. Um, Yes, and do you remember in the interval I said to you, I'm actually kind of wishing that this had it because it is song after song. You want the you want the music to be really, you know, you want the score and you want it to all come alive and it be like a film, a very a full sound. And I felt like there wasn't enough sound from the, the other inst- the yeah. band, and I was hearing too much of the piano. Yes. And if you've ever been to to see a rehearsal of a show and you just get the piano accompaniment, that's kind of what it felt like for me. Mm. And I know there was an oboe, I know there was a flute, and there was other... It could have. I think it could have done with a bit of strings. I really think it needed some strings. It Just, just felt, like a little violin would have really... Um, I just was like, I'm fed up of hearing that piano. A bit too piano-y. I mean, we were very near the front, and it was... They had speakers, didn't they? So I was like, maybe we're just too near the front. I don't know. I just... It, it did sound it a bit It just needed a little bit of variation. But I think yeah. the music itself, the actual score did have some really good moments of variation. Like, remember the number when the policeman came on? That was a fun And did number. their number together. That had, like, a quite upbeat, peppy thing. Some of them had a bit of an Oliver Twist, like, um, papa, you know, one of the songs where they're all in the... Oh, yeah. So it had some good variation, I think, in style. But I think the ultimate kind of flaw is the romantic central story mm-hmm. between his love for Isabel is not really strong enough because I didn't really... 
I just didn't, I, that story didn't totally grab me because I kind of felt like, why had he fallen in love with her? He'd only kind of seen her through the window. And I just felt, yeah. So that was the I bit that kind of wasn't strong enough. Yeah, I, there wasn't a storyline in it where I was like rooting for that to happen. I wanted to see a little bit more reason to root for him. I wanted to see him do maybe a good deed in the face of kind of other people kind of putting him down so that we kind of felt, yeah, this is someone worth rooting for. All we know is that he was a bit pathetic almost Mm. so I just wanted a little bit more to root for in that central character but around that central storyline um the central love story we just have all these other characters the ensemble play various different characters and let's mention Claire Matchin because obviously it's an ensemble piece and everyone works so well together but she gets some really good moments to kind of have the limelight so we recognized her immediately because she was in the pajama game yeah and she was also in titanic and she was also in um a show that we went to see which we didn't review and she is captivating she's such a fantastic singer dancer she's a musical theater um She's a pro, isn't she? She's... And she's, she's got a really recognisable voice. The minute yeah. I heard her sing, I was like, oh, it's her. Characterful. Com- she delivers comedy really well and she gets this big, You're big right. comedic song. She is a comedy. She's a real comedy girl, isn't she? Knows she knows how to nail the comedy. Yeah. And because it's a sort of small audience, they kind of interact with the audience a lot. She occasionally would just throw asides to different bits of the audience. You know, you just catch these little moments from her. I really, really enjoyed watching her. She was probably actually the best bit in it for me. Yeah, that number was great. Her big sort of comedy yeah. number playing the uh, playing the hall was really funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked everyone in the cast. It was quite a small cast. It's only, I think, about nine people in the cast. Um, so, you know, it's quite a small cast and I think they worked really, really well together. I would say the performances were great. The music was good, but I needed more sound, like a fuller sound, like from different yes. instruments. But ultimately, I don't actually think, I don't like the story. I quite liked the story, uh, although I wasn't totally invested in him. The oddness of it and the oddness of this idea of him walking through walls, I thought it held my attention. I don't think I got bored at all. No, I didn't get bored. I just, I wouldn't be like rushing out and telling people, oh my goodness, you've got to see it. It's really stayed with me. I really thought about it. It was just fun. Oh, see, to... I, I would be telling people to see it. That's one of my shows at the moment that I would be telling people to see. Yeah, honestly, it is. I think compared to some of the other things I've seen, Man of La Mancha, which I loved, but I don't think I could fully recommend that to just anybody. I think this is definitely something I'd recommend because I think it. I think people would find it really charming. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I think people find that sort of, especially people who don't go to theatre all the time. That's what I'm trying to, to see say. the craft on the stage like that and see people really. I think they'd find it really inventive and interesting and funny i mean maybe we're spoiled with a lot of the theater we see we see a lot of really inventive and fun yes and, you know, i think that's what i'm saying is that 1927 and all yeah. those companies people who haven't i think yeah would I think really right. really get something from this and i think the music is really nice just does need that fuller sound to it i think throwing a violin or a cello would have been lovely a fuller orchestra that's yeah. all i wish i really do some good songs though it's definitely a, a sound uh, you know a cast recording i would track down so tickets are only £36 to see. Um, there's some for 26 at the very back, like the back two rows on one side. Very But the rest are 36 and that's actually just really not too bad. But usually there are cheaper tickets at Charing Cross. I think because of this staging, they don't have those little slip ones that oh. are cheaper. Remember, we usually go and We sit on the sides usually for like £15, don't yes. we? £22. So they don't have that. So you are getting a great view front on wherever you sit. But I think 36 is definitely worth it. 
and it's something I'd be recommending. If you want to go see it more, it's a good long run. It's on till the 20th of July. And yeah, I just really recommend people go and see this if you want to see some interesting theatre, something quite magical, um, kind of a fairy tale style, but quirky and edgy and funny. And there's not a dull moment in it. There's no boring song. There's no boring monologue. That's true. Yeah. And I know it's a boring thing to talk about, but it is a nice duration. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. So I we, really like the fact yeah. that we were out by 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, 7.30 and you're out by 9, 9.40 or something. It's really nice. So, and there's an Itsu right near there. <laughs> and as everyone knows, Itsu discount their food half an hour before closing. They close at 10. So on your way home, you can get a half price Itsu and that's always fun. Yeah. So yeah, definitely um, get down to Charing Cross Theatre. If you've never been there before as well, lovely venue and check it out. So that is our review of Amour, running at the Charing Cross Theatre. And Oscar, you've made a French-inspired cocktail. We have made French martinis uh, with a little twist. So this is the Amour Martini. <laughs> Inventive. <laughs> <laughs> So the Amour Martini is vodka, preferably a French vodka if you have one. Um, Chambord liqueur, which is sort of a, you know, blackcurrant um, liqueur. You can use any blackcurrant liqueur, but Chambord is the very famous French one. And it comes in a beautiful bottle. Yeah, it looks like one of those little um, sort of religious, you know, like what the, the like Catholic... A, like what the Queen holds. Oh yeah, actually it looks a bit like that thing the Queen holds, exactly. What's that called? Like a, a scepter or Yes, that's something. it, well done, yeah. Um, and then it's pineapple, fresh pineapple juice. I mean, if you don't want to juice a fresh pineapple, just try and buy some fresh pineapple juice. You can buy fresh pineapple juice in the shops. And then um, I used just a little splash of Galliano vanilla liqueur just to give it an extra kind of extra sweet. Sweets for my sweet. Yeah, and for a very sweet um, and lovely show. Mm, it's delicious. Mm. So let's move on to another review. I went to see something at the Brighton Fringe yesterday down at Brighton. So Brighton Fringe Festival... Um, is currently running. There's kind of theatre everywhere. They've got a Spiegel tent. So much going on. I had a look through the programme. A Spiegel tent. It's like an old-fashioned um, sort of theatrical kind of oh. tent. They have them, yeah, at these sorts of festivals. have them up at the Edinburgh Festival. Oh. So, yeah, it's really cool. Lots going on in Brighton at the moment. It was a very cool, buzzy atmosphere. I want to move to Brighton. Yeah, it is really... I love it down there. Especially when the festival's going on. There's so much, so much comedy, so much theatre. So I went to see um, Nehigh Theatre who we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit. We went to see their production of Brief Encounter last year. Um, and we co- also went to see their show at The Old Vic? No, that was Emma Rice, Emma Rice's new production company, Wise Children. Oh, you're but right, Emma sorry. Rice used to be the artistic director of Nehigh. Um, Nehigh was founded by Mike Shepard, and yeah, Emma Rice was there for years. She did Tristan and Yazult, which we oh, yes, saw at the, Globe. at, um, the Globe, which was fantastic. And this production's from 2014, based on the story of The Beggar's Opera, so, you know, like the Threepenny Opera that we saw at um, National Theatre and the Tiger Lily's new piece that they're touring is based on the Beggar's Opera story of the villain, you know, uh, Mac Heath. Mac um, the Knife. Mac the Knife, uh, murderer for hire. You know the story and you kind of have to a bit with Nehigh because they launch straight into it, don't they? It's very... They don't ease you into their style. It's just, boom, the piece opens and it's full-on music. Um <gasps> All the actors in this play, well not all the actors, lots of the actors play instruments. There's a live band on stage throughout in this kind of cool set that was all sort of scaffolding and it had a big slide on it. And so often the characters would enter via this kind of slide, they'd slide down the stage. So just classic knee-high, really high energy. 
Um, and I went with a friend who'd never seen it before. And it, it does, if you don't know what it's going to be, I think you forget that if you don't know their style, it does take a little bit of time to get into because they just, it, boom, you're straight in. And like loud music, the scenes, it's quite choppy. You're introduced to all these characters quite quickly. And if you're, so I think it does take a while to get into that sort of style. But obviously I kind of knew it, so I was into it. But it was actually really, really good. Um, kind of a musical, actually. Not like what you would think of usually as a musical, but obviously a live band and they kind of sing little snippets of songs that kind of really set the mood. What kind of songs? So the songs, um, they were especially written for this by Charles Hazelwood. Um, so And it's like really different styles, kind of some punk rock, some ska. There was really good ska bit in it, kind of with, you know, like saxophones and that ska, <gasps> ska music sound when they got married. And, you know, really energetic choreography by... Um, Etta Murphit, who also works with um, New Adventures, Matthew Bourne's company. company. She's been rehearsing, I've seen on Instagram, um, his new Romeo and Juliet. So, yeah, really kind of great choreography, really physical, quite ph- almost, you know, like physical theatre, um, reckless abandon, you know, that kind of style mm. they have. Um, yeah, and it's good. It's really funny. It kind of eases, it's funny and dark at the same time, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, quite foul mouthed as well. Um, and the Beggar's Opera obviously lends itself to that because it's all these dark underworld characters. Yes. Um, kind of. And yeah, so it it got some really big laughs in on the night we were there. And it's just there's just so much to look at. I think maybe some people might think too much to look at mm-hmm. because it there's like quite a lot going on. And suddenly you're like, wait a minute, now we've got Punch and... There's a kind of Punch and Judy metaphor running alongside it as well. I don't know if that totally worked for me. I kind of could have just actually done without that bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just so energetic and the performers are so talented, um, playing lots of, you know, a couple of them really switch up their characters and play different characters. Um, and then, as I said, some of them just, you know, suddenly crack out a violin and start. So just really multi-talented cast. And just, yeah, it's just very, very quirky. And this production is going to tour. It's going to come up to London to the Hammersmith Lyric from the 21st of May to the 15th of June. Um, it's just so, it's it's brilliant. Anyone who's never seen Knee High, I think would love this. And I kind of think anyone who likes live music, this is something you could take, obviously not to be like, blokes don't like theatre. But, you know, often I hear girl, you know, girlfriends, Sort of saying they find it hard to think of what to take their boyfriends to see at the theatre because they think it's going to be like Starlight Express yes. or a boring play, and you're like, this is actually really cool. Yeah, it's you're totally not... cool and edgy, and yeah. like you get that, you know, it's grungy, it's live music, and I think you just have a great night out at the theatre. So when it does come up to anyone in London, um, it's coming to the Lyric 21st of May to 15th of June. Like we would say, Lyric tickets are really reasonable; they range from ten pounds. Top price are only forty two. Um, and then it's going to tour various other venues around the country. So just go on Nehi's website, um, Nehi Theatre, and see where it's going because I really recommend it. It's one of, yeah, it's up there with Tristan and Yazult and Do you know what, as well, I think when you see a show that has um, people performing live music, a lot going on visually, it's a really good thing to take children to, to introduce children mm. to theatre. And people always say to us, like, oh, you guys are so you know you're you know so much about theatre you see so much theatre we've been brought up on theatre we've been taken to shows not like good shows like just a range yeah. of shows some good some not some amateur we used to go and see a lot of Guildford School of Acting which are fantastic yeah. but 
that's I think it's really important to take children to see things. Yeah, and I think this I mean this one I wonder what age they recommend because obviously it's got bad language. They recommend fourteen plus and that's probably what I would say. Yeah. Unless you had a cool Okay, teenagers then. Yeah. Because you can, if they're not invested in the story, there'll be somebody, somebody coming down a slide, somebody yeah. playing a saxophone. It's just really interactive and there's always something to look at. You don't get bored. So are the tickets on sale now? For the Lyric, yeah. Oh, great. And the rest of their tour. So I, I really honestly recommend it. It's, um, it's just a super cool night out. So if you want to go and see Dead Dog in a Suitcase, we're saying we Dead recommend... Dog, the full title is Dead Dog in a Suitcase and Other Love Stories. Oh, cool. You've got to, yeah, just see Knee High because you can't just keep listening to us talk about how great they are and not see them. Honestly, <laughs> they're so good. And Emma Rice, who used to be the artistic director, um, her new company, Wise Children, that did their first production called Wise Children, their new production is about to start. Mallory Towers. Mallory Towers, which you used to read, the Inner Blyton books. I read every single one. So I think that's going to be really exciting. That's I don't, That's not planned to be coming to London. It's touring the country. So it's doing like Bristol, um, Exeter, Oxford, like all around the, the regionals. I really want to see it though. So I might have to look at seeing where's the nearest place we could go to see that because Wise Children was really great. We love Yeah, if that. anybody listens to this show that is not based in London... Please go and see Mallory Towers. Because it'll be, I think it'll be aimed at, you know, it's a children's book. It'll be aimed at children, but in the same way that kind of knee-high stuff and wise children, it will have a bit of edge to it. Not as much edge as Dead Dog in a Suitcase. Oh, and the books are so brilliant. It's of that British kind of, you know, famous five, you know. Yes, and she'll find all the kind of comedy and like slightly pastichiness of it, won't she? Yeah, it'll be brilliant. It seems like the perfect match Emma Rice doing Marley Towers, just like Tim Minchin doing Roald Dahl. Yeah, you're right. For Matilda, all those kind of, that style of slightly dark humour or I think it'll just work really well. A bit like Daisy pulls it off. I think I'm imagining it's going to be a similar vibe to that knowingly sort of retro and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Were there any, any other shows we wanted to talk about coming up, Al? What was what were we talking about? Oh, I just wanted to talk about the fact that Big the Musical is opening in September because that's oh, quite yeah. exciting. And that's going to be in the Dominion Theatre, isn't it, before Prince of Egypt, which starts in January that we had as a top tip in the last episode. Yeah, and everyone, everyone seems really excited by this, that loved the film starring Tom Hanks. I remember where, watching it. I remember yeah, renting it from the video shop. Yeah, he went to... It's about a boy that... Um, goes to an arcade, makes a wish on a fortune-telling machine that for just... Was it... Yeah, he just wants to be bigger so he can ride the roller coaster. That's it. And then he wakes up and he's a fully grown man, played by Tom Hanks. Yeah, and he... It's just so funny, and he's he's in this apartment, and he I remember he had that piano that was on the floor where you stand on the keys and it makes different music. Oh, yeah, no, that's at the toy shop, when he goes to the toy shop and they do the keys. Oh, that's it, and you really, really... That's all you wanted, is yeah. that piano. I bet there's a whole musical number built around that. <gasps> You're right, there will be! Oh, my God, Alice, that scared me. Sorry. <laughs> But you're right. That's yeah. going to be a huge number on that piano. Yeah. Um, so 1996, it was on Broadway, but it, obviously it never came. So this will be the West End premiere, the UK premiere of it. Um, and it's got a fairly sort of starry cast, not necessarily musical theatre people, but kind of people from like the pop world. So Jay McGuinness, who was in the band The Wanted. Remember the boy band The Wanted? Oh, yeah. And he's currently in Rip It Up, the 60s, that's playing <laughs> at the um, the Garrick, is it? You know that? Why have you seen the posters for that? And it's got kind of 
um, one of the guys from JLS in it. Oh, and, God, it sounds you know awful. I mean? It's like a 60s, <laughs> yeah. So Jamie Guinness is going to be in it, and Diana Vickers from X Factor fame, um, Gary Wilmot, who is a musical theatre yes. old hand. Um, yeah, so I think it'll be... I mean, I don't know anything about it. No, I just, I've just, it's only just been announced last week um, which theatre it would be at and when, to, when it would be before, when it was going to come here. So I don't, I'll have it as a top tip when I know more. So that's it for this podcast. But in our next episode, we will be talking about Death of a Salesman, which has just opened at the Young Vic. Yes, well, I'm going to see it first, and then you've got tickets booked for later. So whether or not you want to hear my review or whether we want to wait until you've seen it and we can both discuss it. I'll see how good it is and if I just need to tell you about it. Okay. Or maybe I do a kind of, yeah, I'll try and do like a spoiler-free. I mean, we always try not to do spoilers for the shows. The thing is, but... is that it's been getting five-star reviews. Is it? Yeah, The Times, oh, the Guardian, already. yeah, everyone oh, is just loving it. I'm so excited. So it's an all-black um, cast um, for a story that's traditionally about, you know, white America. I don't really know the story. I know it's a very famous... Just Arthur like Miller I didn't, play. Yeah, just like I didn't know all my sons. I'm just not... I don't know that much about Arthur Miller. But obviously, I know it as a property because it's, it's one of the most famous American plays. It's always referenced, isn't it? Mm. So I'm really excited to see it. And um, Sharon D. Clark from Carolina Change is in it, and I love her. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So I'll tell you about it next time until then do follow us on twitter at theatre club pod and on instagram at theatre club podcast um again if you have any recommendations for shows you really think we should be seeing leave a comment on one of our posts um yeah because we'd love to we're always that's the whole thing about theatre you need to kind of be talking about theatre to find out what what's the shows to see so until next time thank you very much for listening amen <laughs> bye bye